Comics. Movies. Music. Video games. Technology. Blu-ray. Television. This is the HHW LOD Podcast Network. It's all connected. Everything. John, in the last 10 days, have you ever cursed so much in your entire life? I, I guarantee I have, but I'm not, <laughs> it's not, it's not saying much, but, uh, I know what you're getting at. It's that crazy bloodborne. I, I, I curse so much. <laughs> for anybody who might not know, we're talking about the bloodborne video game for the PS4 that I probably can take responsibility for talking Russ into, I think. Yeah, I blame you. Whatever. It's not your typical video game. You there are no save points. You when you die, you lose everything and all of the monsters you have killed come back basically. In a nutshell, yeah. It's in it's, a nutshell, yeah. It's the hardest and probably one of the most fun games you'll play, but it is so punishing. Um I never played Dark Souls or Dark Souls 2, but uh from what I understand, A, it's the same company that that did both of those games and and B, um, it, uh, it, it, it's kind of in that same vein, but yeah. it's, it's just, do you, um, what I do is I get far, I stretch it, you know, there's ways that you can go back to the home base for, for lack of a better term and cash in the stuff that you've earned before you die and lose everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I do is I stretch it too long. I die. I curse. I shut it off. I walk around the house, maybe look in the fridge, uh, stare out the window, then sit down and turn it back on again. Yeah. 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 I realize I have nothing better to do and, uh, it is very satisfying. It is. It is. I've kind of hit this weird inflection point where uh, everything in the general vicinity of where you start, I could pretty much kill without running into trouble, and I can venture out pretty far now. Um, but there's like the second boss that's just a real SOB. So so basically when I'm not prepping notes uh, for recording It's All Connected, episode 56, I'm pretty much playing Bloodborne. Yes, and this isn't a video game podcast. It's all connected. It's a Marvel Studios podcast. And tonight we spoil the crap out of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. One Door Closes, which was a uh, pretty cool episode. And we get ready for Daredevil. Yes, yes, we are so ready for Daredevil at this point. The reviews, I guess, started rolling in yesterday or the day before. It's Thursday night currently. I, I think Tuesday maybe they started rolling in. It might have even been Monday. Yeah. And uh, they've all been super positive. I'm being really careful about what I read. Most of them are pretty good. Most of them are are non-spoiler reviews that I've seen. And I think only the five first episodes were given to review. Yeah. Yeah, that's and I kind of do the same thing. I I tend to whenever it comes to reviews of of things that I'm really curious about, like obviously I I don't really I'm not going to really care to read a, a review of Avengers Age of Ultron because I'm going to see it and it's going to be awesome and I don't need somebody to tell me it's awesome. 
but I kind of I usually skim around unless it flat out just says like non-spoiler review. But if it doesn't say that, I usually usually the opening paragraph is pretty safe and the closing paragraph is pretty safe, um, even if there's some spoilers. And then I just kind of hunt around, and the first hint I get of spoiler, I usually uh, I usually bow out from that point. I'm even lazier. I scroll right to the end and see if there's a like a rating, like an 8.5 or a ah. 4 out of 5 or whatever. And if there isn't, I, I guess it's a combination of laziness and I don't want to start reading something that I didn't want to see yet. Yeah. So I usually skim and look for a, you know, some kind of rating or whatever. But from what I'm hearing, you know, the characters are great. The violence and action is supposed to be like turned up a notch that we, you know, what exactly what we were hoping for. Um, you know, you can't say enough good thing. The reviews right now cannot say enough good things. So, yeah, you know, we'll know very soon. I'm encouraged. I, uh, I've decided I'm going to be a Uber nerd and I'm taking a vacation day that Friday. Nice. Um, and part of it is cause I've been working like seven days a week. So I need, I need a bit of a break. So I thought what better time to take a break, uh, than the Netflix daredevil show. So. Yeah, it's a beautiful day outside. Let me watch 20 hours of television. Yes, exactly, exactly. We should say that we've never officially announced it, I don't think, because we've been kind of figuring out how we're going to fit Daredevil into our busy schedules and stuff. I think we're shooting for like five shows that will run in between our regular Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. episodes and then... You know, that might take us past Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Is that timeline correct? Like, if we did a few shows in between Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. eps, then Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. will end? Yeah, because we've... So right now, there's seven episodes of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. left. And we'll get next week's episode, obviously, which will be, like, April the... What What is that? April the 5th, or... Um, I guess, it, yeah, April the 5th will be the next... Um, or April the... I'm sorry, April the 7th will be the next... Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. episode, and then the the following one will be the 14th. So we'll probably get, we'll definitely get the pilot review in before the April 17th episode of S.H.I.E.L.D. airs. I'm I'm, I'm assuming we're probably going to hop on that pilot really quick and get something recorded. Yeah, I think that's the plan. And then maybe after the pilot, we'll hit two episodes in one show or, you know, something to that effect. Yeah, because I think, and I... I you know, we've again. We some of this is on the fly, but I think what we're going to do the Daredevil shows at least until Agents of Shield is we're past Agents of Shield, we're past Ultron. Uh, they're probably going to be focused on just Daredevil. Like we'll keep the news for the regular weekly Agents of Shield episodes, uh, and the Daredevil episodes that we kind of squeeze in between will will be just that. They'll be Daredevil focused review discussion episodes. Yeah, that sounds good to me. So yeah, so we will so be prepared for two a week for for five or six weeks. Yikes! Yeah. <laughs> what else is going on in the uh, MCU? So a few. I got a few beats on uh, Age of Ultron that have come up. Uh, one of them, uh, I guess Anthony Mackie. You know, the word is getting out more and more that he's he's in Age of Ultron. He's. I guess when when the poster finally hit and his name was on the credits, and we talked about that several weeks ago at this point, um, but he was just kind of talking. Uh, he was being interviewed, and I, I didn't get the the interview source, but uh, but the, I thought there was a cool quote from him. Um, and he said he found out last month that he'd be in Age of Ultron. He says, this is how it goes, he said, meaning Mackie. 
He said, about two weeks ago, I got a call. My friend was like, yo, Age of Ultron poster's out. Why didn't you tell me you were in it? And Mackie said, I'm in it? And he says, that's how Marvel rolls. When you see somebody and they say, we can't tell you, that's because they don't know. Hmm. Uh, so I thought that was funny. And I, I, I'm guessing he's probably playing a little coy. Uh, so it, at this point, one of two things. A, they shot whatever he's in during Winter Soldier, and it's just like extra footage they're using. Or um, he shot some stuff for Age of Ultron. They never told him whether it made the cutting room floor or not. And he just assumed since he never they never told him it didn't. Uh, it th- or that it that it wasn't on the cutting room floor that he just assumed that you know he wasn't in it, right? Um, so it's one or the other. So that'd be interesting, for sure. Um, the other thing is, it's funny. I wouldn't have expected this late in the game to get casting announcements, but uh, but I guess for the premiere, uh, they introduced Julie Delpy and Linda Cardellini as cast members for Age of Ultron, at least you know, and, and they showed up at the premiere. And so then the internet kind of went crazy for about a minute and a half. And this was weird, too, because it was all, like, right around April Fool's. Because I think this was yesterday this all came out. So it was, like, a little, like, okay, is this really, are they really cast? Are they really not cast? You know, what's going on? Um, right. And it, it seemed like it was corroborated. But then people were going crazy and, like, oh, is she, you know, is one of them playing Carol Danvers? Is that going to be, um, uh, you know, Captain Marvel? And uh I think at this point, Whedon has officially come out, or Marvel has officially come out and said, Captain Marvel will not be in Age of Ultron. I mean, that's like a, 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 a guaranteed, or close to, I guess, guaranteed at this point as you can get. Um, but to, just looking at, at either one of them cast in that role, I think, I hate to be ageist as a as a 40-something male. I hate to be ageist, but, uh, I mean, Julie Delpy's like 45. I mean, she's 5'8", so she's definitely got the height for it, but I think she's skewing maybe a little older than they probably want to go, especially for a movie that doesn't come out for several years, uh, and they want, obviously, to be a franchise or bring her into the fold as, like, the next wave of Avengers. Um, and Linda Cardellini is 40, and she's but she's, like, 5'3", so she's kind of kind of tiny. Um, and again, kind of skewing towards a little bit older. I, I'm, I'm guessing they want somebody that's going to be you know, 20s, 30s, uh, you know, that, that again, that they can sign to a multi-picture deal that's going to be around for a while, uh, that can handle, you know, some of the uh, stunt work and stuff like that. 40 is the new 30, Russ. Uh, I, I, I subscribe to that uh, methodology as a, like I said, as, a, as an over 40 individual. Everybody says... I look awesome for fifty years old. <laughs> and then unfortunately, you, and then you tell them you're thirty five. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, I am forty two. <laughs> uh, I hear you, brother. So yeah, so it'll be interesting to see. I I could almost see like Julie Delpy playing, like maybe somebody associated with the whole Black Widow thing. Um, you know, just kind of that you know that kind of that European look that she has. Yeah, she doesn't strike me as like the athletic hero type. Right. Um, Cardellini maybe a little bit closer, but yeah. I know she's a lot shorter in stature than, you know, maybe you would realize just by looking at, you know, headshots. Yeah. <laughs> it's hard to tell height in headshots. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, and both fine actresses. I mean, I've, I've you know, I've, I've been a Cardellini was in had a long stint in ER, uh, which I, I enjoyed that show when it was on. Of course, she played Velma in Scooby Doo. Uh, if you're if you're into that and and have children, or were a child when that movie came out, yeah. Uh, and then she recently had had a stint as uh, Don Draper's neighbor in Mad Men, 
and so she had a she had kind of a bunch of steamy scenes with uh, with John Hamm. And the main thing I know Julie Delpy from is what is it American Werewolf in Paris? I think it was the follow up that they did sometime. Yeah, back. the follow up was Paris. I guess London was the original. Yeah, yeah. I haven't seen those in years. Yeah, exactly. So it'll be interesting to see what uh, what they play. I mean, there's been talk, you know, that that one of them could, you know, their role could just be similar to Ashley Johnson's role from The Avengers, where she played the waitress that was at the cafe, you know, while the the craziness was going on. Right. So we'll see. Um, the other thing I wanted to talk about is some of the toy stuff and the and the action figure stuff is coming out, and some of the images are we're seeing and um, Hot Toys is you know John and I have talked about Hot Toys uh, from time to time and how if we you know had no money or our wives wouldn't um, throw us out of the house that we we'd indulge more frequently in Hot Toys uh, because they're just the, the level of detail. Um, and the interchangeability of all the the additions and stuff like that are just really unparalleled uh, for that. I mean, they're they're not. I mean, they're called toys, but they're just they're 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 just incredibly detailed. Um, so they put out the Mark Forty Three armor, which is the it's the armor for Iron Man that we've seen in all of the trailers at this point. Um, it's the follow up to the for, the Forty Two. The Forty Two is what he used in Iron Man Three, which had a lot of the more gold than red, which I wasn't that big of a fan of. I, I like more red than gold. That's just a personal choice for me. Yeah, I agree. Um, so this one has a little more red than gold than we saw at the 42. Uh, the Mark 44 is the Hulk Buster, so that we, we know that. But one of the things I saw was Bandai is coming out with these things. They're called fig figuarts. Figuarts. Have you seen those, John? No. So they're they're kind of a little more upscale than your regular Hasbro or Marvel Legends or even the Diamond Selects. They're I think they're sixty fifty five or sixty dollars for the standard for like the Iron Man, Captain America, Hawkeye uh, figure. They're they're a little more detailed, but not quite Hot Toys level. Uh, there's a Hulk one that's you know considerably larger that I think is going to sell for eighty. Um, but they put out the Mark forty five Iron Man and. It looks really, really sleek. I mean, it's the difference. It, 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 they're going, and they've kind of done this, you know, ever since the first, you know, the Mark One and Mark Two, or the Mark Two and Mark Three, you know, way back in, in the first Iron Man movie, but uh, thinner, like more form fitting, not quite as bulky. Um, and a lot of they compare it to the uh, the armor that he wore in the comics. Like the after there was a comic event called Se- the Siege uh, in the comics, and after that. Tony's armor that he wore was a lot, again, a lot more form-fitting. It had, uh, instead of the main repulsor in the chest, there were like these repulsor uh, spheres that were kind of all over the armor. Uh, this one doesn't doesn't have that, but it, in in sleekness and in color and stuff like that, it, it matches more of that uh, comic armor. But this one has a lot more red. Uh, it's it's kind of, again, it's a lot more form-fitting. It's got more silver flare i guess if you will on it more silver lines and stuff like that going on it really looks cool and i've I've combed back through the trailers and the tv spots and stuff and i haven't really seen this version of that armor yet so i don't know if it shows up like really late or they've been just doing a really good job of 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 hiding it or if we did see it in on any of the trailers it's been uh it's been very well hidden right the hulk buster is uh i mean it's a favorite of a lot of people already just because it's so badass and the uh 
you know, the concept of it, like an armor made just to fight, you know, to defeat the Hulk or be able to stand with the Hulk. But what's really interesting to me is how it's going to actually work, because I, from what I understand, and I, I've probably, maybe they've shown this in a trailer and I'm just asleep, but I think Iron Man already in armor can get in the Hulkbuster. It's more of yes. like a shell uh-huh. than an actual armor. So I would love to see, you know, how they work that. You know, it's almost like a Russian doll type thing. Like exactly, there's, <laughs> yeah. There's a man inside an armor, inside another armor, which yeah. is the Hulkbuster, which should be really cool. I'm sure they're gonna have a really cool sequence of of how that happens. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I guess a little bit of Guardians of the Galaxy news. Uh, James Gunn has confirmed that his latest treatment of the film has been approved by Marvel and the script writing process will now begin in earnest. Um, he's also offered a couple extra pieces and that Ronan is definitely dead uh, and gone for good. So there's there's no more Ronan, which that was pretty apparent in the first one. Uh, yeah. I like the character. I, I was kind of sad to see them dispatch the villain so quickly, but uh, he's definitely gone. Um, it's definitely going to f- uh, have a stronger focus on uh, characterizing the Guardians, and Karen Gillan will potentially have to find a way to play Nebula without shaving her head again. So, I'm guessing that was that she did that once, and probably uh, probably wasn't a, wasn't a fan of that. Yeah, uh, but it's it's funny in the comics when she first appeared in the comics, and I, I think we talked about this before. She had kind of this like, um, she her hair is normally black, and it's kind of like shoulder length, and she's got like bangs going across the front. Um, I think that's a kind of a less creepy look for that character than what they went with. But um, what's I cool? love the visual for for Nebula in the movie. You know, I didn't love the character, and I think it's a pretty agreed upon weak spot in uh, the first Guardians. Yeah. But so we're two years out from Guardians, so I I, I think uh, we'll start to hear more probably. I would assume next year at this point, just because you know at the you know. We know casting, we know director, we know all that kind of stuff. So, um, you know, they're, they're, it's not going to be kind of the event that it was the last time around with this one. A little bit of Luke, uh, Luke Cage Netflix news. Uh, it looks like they have an exec producer and a showrunner, and it looks like it's it's. I'm probably going to butcher his name, so I apologize, but it's Cheo Hadari Coker, uh, and he's going to be executive producer and showrunner for Luke Cage. Uh, Coker's credits include Ray Donovan, Southland, Almost Human, uh, and he's also going to write the first two episodes of the series. Uh, so, and it says Luke Cage will premiere in 2016. So, it seems to me originally they announced Iron Fist before Luke Cage, but being that they're announcing like showrunners and given a tentative date, it looks like Luke Cage may show up after Jessica Jones, and that Iron Fist will be the fourth one. And and that would shed light on what I've been complaining about, you know, no, no, no iron fist cast yet, which now totally makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So that's interesting. And I, I just have to say the more I see, you know, the more Mac gets to do on agents of shield, the more I wish he was Luke Cage. Yeah. He, he definitely has the stature, um, you know, for it. I mean, he definitely has a commanding presence. Now I don't know if I'd see him and Kristen Ritter, uh, having having maybe some as much on screen chemistry, but yeah, I definitely see him. I, I definitely could have seen him in that role. 
Punisher. And my, I have. I'm sorry. I have friends that swear by Ray Donovan. I have not seen that show, but I know people that love it. Yeah, I haven't seen it either, and I like uh, Liev Schreiber. So one of these days, I'm gonna I'm gonna fire that up. A little bit of I, I, I hate to even say news because it's not really news, but you know, Stephen Denight has been doing a lot of press stuff with Daredevil, kind of you know getting getting closer and closer. So he's been doing stuff on Twitter. He's been doing a lot of interviews and things like that. Uh, and I guess uh, there was a quote from him uh, talking about Punisher. And he said, I'd love to see him get his due on a platform like this. Nothing would delight me more than to see Punisher get his own show, and maybe we can convince Marvel to go hard R rating. If any character deserves an R rating, it's the Punisher. Yeah, I mean, he's saying out loud what everybody's been thinking for a long time. Yeah, exactly. He said, so though Daredevil won't be rated R, it's still pretty dark and gritty. Charlie Cox even said the Man Without Fear is pretty close to the character of the Punisher. Uh, Stephen Denight said that Daredevil is one bad day away from being the Punisher, added Cox. Uh, he said, I thought it was really helpful. Again, it adds to the dark tone, and I think it's more interesting to watch. So, I would love to see what happens to a failed franchise now back with Marvel Studios with a regular feature film. In other words, that was a bad way of explaining... You know, I'd love to see a Daredevil Marvel film now, even though it failed, you know, with uh, with Fox. Sure. You know, what happens if we try it now? And I guess the better example is the Punisher, because Punisher had three shots that failed. Yeah. So, you know, maybe people are more skeptical, like, now nah, we've tried Punisher to death and it just doesn't work. Let's Let's see what happens if Marvel does it. You know, what I'm curious about is if... Um... If uh, maybe HBO or Showtime or Cinemax or Stars or one of those would be willing to up the ante, you know, if maybe if they see how well or well received that Daredevil is based on reviews and stuff, they may go, hey, we want a bite of this, too. Like they don't have anything, you know, we haven't really heard much. I think Showtime we've heard about I, th I forget what it was. I know for a while they were talking about doing Dark Tower or they were talking about doing um Preacher, which now is over at AMC, so that you know the the big cable you know pay TVs don't really have anything lined up in the superhero genre. So I'm curious to see if they if they see that success and can see it as a way to retain viewership. If if they might try and dip their toe in that and offer up Marvel some cash. Yeah, I wonder if I wonder if Marvel would readily head over to like an Amazon Prime or if that hurts their Netflix relationship or yeah. you know, I, I don't know how that all works. Yeah. I don't either. It's, it's kind of hard to say, I guess it's like anything else, you know, if, if Marvel is going to produce and they put it out to bid, you know, at that point it probably just becomes, okay, who's going to be a good partner, you know, who's going to be well, willing to pony up whatever cash it's going to take or, uh, you know, give them the right kind of deal. And I don't know, I mean, we know that Disney and Netflix are fairly close partners and, and they've given them exclusive rights to everything moving forward for quite some time and they signed a longer term deal. So, you know, again, I don't know if that kind of sours their relationship to renew, you know, if they, if they do a deal with either Amazon or right. um, or HBO or Showtime. But I, I just think it's interesting. I, I'm hoping that, you know, this again, this gets gives us a more opportunity 
than than less. And I think something like the Punisher, while a movie, I, I think I think a Punisher weekly series uh, would I think it, is it maybe a better place for it than you know than trying to cram it all in a, into a two hour movie that you know just kind of the serial because it, it it's a little bit police procedural it's you know actiony kind of thing so i'm i'm really hoping that we get some cool news out of netflix like you know uh you know i don't know eight percent growth in subscribers on april 10th you know like yeah. something cool that just shows yeah or even you know i don't know i'm sure they have stats but i've, I've never heard them for netflix i don't think like most watched Netflix show ever or most watched in one day, you know, something, anything like that, that we can get out of them just to sort of verify that. Yeah, it's a mega hit. Yeah. And I think they'd be willing to kind of give those details out as far as like, if it, if it ends up being, you know, the, the retainership and the sign up numbers, I mean, those are public. And when they have their next, you know, earnings call, we'll be able to tell, okay, in the quarter, did they meet or exceed expectations? And that might be a bit of an indicator. But I think if it, if it's a drop-dead hit right out of the gate and causes people to just watch the crap out of it, I think they'll we'll hear things like most, you know, most popular Netflix show to date or, you know, most watched show or, you know, whatever the case may be. If, if there's something they can brag about, you know, in a press release that could hopefully bring more people in so they, if somebody isn't a subscriber, they can kind of, you know, have that I'm missing something kind of kind of feel. So, um, but yeah, we'll never. It, that's what's interesting. We'll never get like hard numbers to say. You know, it right. was watched X million times in the first you know thirty, sixty, ninety days. But, but I'm I'm hoping I'm hoping it. You know, all Netflix cares about is are people signing up or are people not leaving? Um, you know, our service and and if if the metrics are in and and people are watching in droves and it's it's enough to keep people on the hook then you know they don't really care about you know hard numbers per se it's, it's such a weird dynamic between you know with that and and then you look at network television which is all about ratings and all about who's watching and when they're watching and how they watch yeah. and everything else and then you look at like HBO and Netflix and Showtime and Amazon and they're like, yeah, we don't care just as long as people keep paying their 10 bucks a month. You know, we don't we don't really care, you know, if, right. they, if it takes them a year to watch it or a week to watch it. Times they are changing. Yes, they are indeed. Uh, the last little bit of news that I have, and this is kind of very tangentially related to what we we're just talking about with Netflix, but um, is the former Disney ABC head studio head um, and Sweeney. Who left? She, I guess she actually left the TV division um, at ABC in March of 2014. Uh, is has been promoted to the Netflix board of directors. So again, I, I don't know, you know, what you can read from the tea leaves on that move, but obviously, you know, Netflix, you know, sees something in her, and she sees something in in Netflix to, you know, to want to be on the board of directors. So I'm hoping, if if nothing else, it just leads to a more long lasting relationship or an expanded relationship uh, between Marvel and Netflix. Right. That's about it. I don't, uh, I don't really have a whole lot else. I mean, Charlie Cox has been kind of doing the rounds on Letterman and Leno and or Leno Letterman and <laughs> uh, Jimmy Kimmel. And, you know, he's kind of been, been doing the rounds and the interviews and stuff. So uh, there's plenty of video out there to, to catch up on all that. But that's about it. That was a lot. That was. That was a lot. 
So episode 56. One door closes. I guess so. This is not episode. Our episode 56. One door closes. Yeah, they get it. Episode 15 of season two. One door closes. It's a little bit of a flashback this week. Yeah. Yeah, it did a lot of uh, bouncing back and forth, and I did like the grainy effect of the flashback. I thought that was cool. Yeah. I I guess uh, it's a good thing Ken's not on this week, because he'd probably be putting it in my face. So it looks like I'm uh, a little bit wishful thinking that uh, Lucy Lawless is not back from the from the grave, that that it definitely was a flashback, uh, and there's been no real indication that she's going to be in it moving forward, but it looks like I was wrong on that deal. Yeah, I think we were thinking that she was, the flashback was going to show what the deal is with Bobby and Mac, which it it, it is in a roundabout way. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm glad Adrian Palicki, you know, I, we know that she's been signed as a, you know, series regular and it certainly seems to be focusing a lot on her, uh, recently, which is great. I mean, she, uh, she kills this role. Definitely. Yeah. And it's funny cause they're, this is kind of like a spotlight episode for her. We know that not the next episode, but the one after that is called Melinda which is, a, I guess, going to give us a lot more backstory and going to be focused on uh, Ming-Na's character, Melinda May. Uh, so it's kind of interesting that they're going that route this season. You know, I guess we had the Ward episode last year where they where they really went and dug into his background also. But Yeah. But it was kind of cool to, to kind of see what was going on in other parts of the, the universe when all that shield stuff was, ha- you know, when Captain America, the winter soldier was happening in, in the direct aftermath that, you know, we know, you know, from the movie, what was happening directly to, you know, cap and widow and, and the rest of the heroes. And we know from last season of agents of shield, what happened to the characters, you know, the main characters. Uh, so it was kind of cool to see, you know, what else was going on, just random helicarrier out, you know, out in the in the open, and and how it uh, it affected what was going on there. Yeah, I, I like how the major movie events are sort of like these, uh, like hubs in the in the television series. You know what I mean? Like yeah. one of the obviously the attack of New York was like an important event that's sort of been back and talked about and used a lot through season one, and they always refer to what happened in New York and the Chitari stuff and. It all kind of resonates in the show. And now what happened in Winter Soldier is also like a second major event that is going to come back, you know, consistently and and hang around for a while. And it should. I mean, sometimes in the movies, you know, a major event happens in a movie and then it's two years until the sequel comes out. And it might not be sequels aren't tied together so much anymore. You know what I mean? Like, right. You ever you ever watch Lethal Weapon and Lethal Weapon 2? Sure. It picks up like a minute after Lethal Weapon ended. You know, like, they're almost one movie if you watch them together. That really doesn't happen so often now. So I like that the TV sort of connects the tissue of the movies. Yeah, yeah, it gives it, it, again, it just, it allows to kind of expand on that story. So, you know, a lot of times when you watch a movie, you're like, well, what was was going on, you know, with what we didn't see? And I think it's kind of on purpose that they don't want you to have to have seen the other one. They want your ticket. right. Yeah, which again, it'll be it'll be interesting to see how they do this with Age of Ultron because we'll have technically three episodes after Age of Ultron premieres. I mean, 
I would expect probably the one after the fifth, maybe not tied in so much just because it's so soon after the opening weekend, but, but definitely the two after, um, you know, again, to see how that goes. And then again, I think civil war is going to be, it's almost like they're setting it up that the captain America movies are the big, big game changers. And that, you know, I imagine civil war is going to have a much bigger impact on this, on this show, provided it's, it's still on the air, uh, than, you know, than even age of Ultron. I was thinking for some reason, like, uh, if this show wasn't on the air anymore, who could carry over? Like, in other words, I could definitely see Adrian Palicki showing up as Bobby Morse down the road in a, in a movie. Sure. Um, I could probably see Melinda May. I think the rest of them are a stretch. Like, I wouldn't expect to see Fitz or Simmons. You know, I wouldn't expect to see Mac, I guess, or certainly not bootleg uh, Deathlock. Yeah. But um, I could definitely see Mockingbird and Melinda May showing up somewhere. Yeah, and I think, I mean, even like a Fitzsimmons thing, I think it could, you know, that could easily be, if they were to show up, it'd be more cameo kind of thing than front and center. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I I definitely could see the two of them being in in a more prominent role. Oh, and Sky, of course. I could see her showing up with, uh, you know, as, as uh, what the hell's her name? Quake. What? What am I saying? Daisy. Daisy. Right. But what's her co- her code name's Quake? Right. Quake. I'm yeah. It. Quake. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> I knew that two years ago when it wasn't a possibility, and now <laughs> I can't remember it. <laughs> it was interesting too that the carrier they were on is the Iliad. I don't know if right, you... which is a uh, what is it? An Ultimates helicarrier? It's not. No, it's not the Ultimates. It's um, funny enough, the Iliad was the carrier that came into play after Hammer was ousted. So it's actually Daisy Johnson, Maria Hill, and the current Secret Avengers. That's their helicarriers. The Iliad. Oh, cool. Yeah. And the whole, uh, you know, Edward James almost. Uh... You know, talking about saving his ship and stuff. I mean, like, it's got to be more than just a coincidence. I mean, it <laughs> yeah. was, it was so Battlestar Galactica. I mean, which is awesome. Yeah, but yeah, that was pretty on the nose. <laughs> yeah, uh, but I thought I, th- that was the the cool thing about the episode, though, and I think is it, it's what makes this whole Bobby thing and where her allegiances lie more interesting because. You know, Gonzalez gave a direct order, you know, Fury gave an order that they were supposed to scuttle that ship because of what was on there. And we don't really know. And I don't I don't know if there's any like reveal or they're just saying, look, there's there's technology and there's stuff on here that we don't want to fall into enemy hands. Um, And, you know, the ship needs to be scuttled. And, you know, when they realize that they've got a little bit of a fighting force together, especially when Hartley shows up and they've got Mac uh, and they, you know, and, and then you know, Gonzalez there and they're, they kind of get their little crew together that they might be able to, to take the ship back. And, you know, and they're hearing reports, you know, as we cut in and out of this, this narrative, you know, they're hearing more reports that, uh, you know, there is some resistance on some of the decks that it's not just, you know, 95% of all the crew, you know, being Hydra, uh, that there, you know, there is some hope that she takes a stand against Gonzalez and, and says, no, we're going to take, you know, in the end, you know, at the end of the episode, uh, it goes from, Okay, everybody off. I'm gonna do go on the suicide mission that Fury told me I had to go on, 
to nope, we're going to disobey all that and we're going to we're going to retake the ship. Yeah. Do you get the feeling that this whole you know, real shield, Coulson's shield, this this conflict, do you get a feeling that they kind of end up like shaking hands and you know, or coming yeah. together to defeat a bigger evil and see you down the road almost, you know, I, I keep saying Edward James almost, um, it's uh, Gonzalez and Coulson sort of shaking hands and see you, see you down the road, let me know if you need any help, and yeah, and I, then Ultron shows up, you yeah, know. and <laughs> Yeah. I think it I, I think it goes two ways. I think one, either, either Gonzalez dies, and then that kind of just leaves it almost as a moot point that everybody rallies around Coulson, or something happens... And it's it's very apparent to Gonzalez that Coulson is not just, you know, Fury's creation, the heir apparent, like he said in this episode, but that he truly deserves to have the position that he has, that he, you know, he fills the shoes of the director and he is the director. And Gonzalez kind of takes a, you know, a backseat and let's and let's Phil have the have the driver's seat in this uh, in this agency. But, yeah, I think I think you're right. I think at the end of the day, they just basically shake hands and agree that there's no need to have two agencies running around and, and there's, there's bigger fish to fry other than, than each other. Right. They can arm wrestle to see whose logo they use. Exactly. Exactly. Um, but you know, it's funny when this first came up, I was a little critical of it and, and I, it was almost a little eye rolly to me that it's like, Oh, the real shield. And it's almost kind of tongue in cheek when even they say it. Um, but I, it was after I watched the episode last time I started thinking about it and I was like, you know, I guess it kind of makes sense because in in the chaos of the aftermath, like who do you trust? Who knows what's going on? Nobody's in communication with each other. The you know the agency that they've dedicated all this, you know, time, effort, and energy to has been destroyed from within. They have this helicarrier that they're kind of out on their own. It it kind of makes sense that that group would kind of say, okay, we need to you know we need to kind of rally around each other and you know be skeptical of another group claiming to do the same thing. So, and, and also, and correct me if I'm wrong, because I'm terrible with facts and times and things, but, you know, their whole thing is, well, Fury gave me the toolbox, right? But yep. isn't Fury dead to everyone else? Yeah. Right? I, so even, even when Gonzalez says, you know, Fury's dead, doesn't he, like, yell that at one point? Yep. yep. <laughs> so it's like, oh, yeah, they're saying Fury gave them this information, but Fury's been dead for X amount of time. You know, they must have stolen it. Or they must have just recovered it and, you know, Well, and he's, he's skeptical of Fury just in general because he he sees some of the stuff that went on and, you know, Fury wasn't able to stop Hydra. He didn't know about Hydra. And Fury had all these off-book things. You know, he had, the you know, the experiment Coulson was a part of and, you know, the injection of the alien DNA. And he had all these little side projects and, right. you know, things going on. So when all this happened, you know, Fury's not real high on his list. Um, but I like how too that you know he when when Gonzalez tells Bobby when she's saying you know we're going to take this ship back he says this isn't a democracy and Bobby says well maybe it should be uh, and then we right. kind of get the the hint of that last episode when when it looked like it's it's a council it's you know the four of them sitting around that table or the five of them you know sitting around the table making decisions on which direction they should go and how they should you know get things done so uh, you know which is very different from the way Coulson is running his faction, which is he's the director, he makes the decisions, it's his call. 
Yeah, Shield works best in the comics when they're kind of like they're a they're a big brother, you know, uh, organization type thing. Like they're they're doing what it takes, but at the costs of people's rights, at the cost of you know. You know, it's almost like a, a few good men. Like, you know, what you have to do to protect that wall might not be what everybody wants to hear, but you want me up on that wall. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And it just, it's all kind of fitting. I mean, you know, Marcus and McFeely said they wrote Captain America the Winter Soldier before all this Ed Snowden stuff came out and all these revelations of NSA spying and, you know, and the greater good and all this other kind of stuff. And, you know, it's been going on for a while, you know, ever obviously since September 11th with you know, waterboarding and torture and things like that. It's it's all been kind of in the forefront. Um, but then they wrote that stuff for Winter Soldier, and then the Snowden stuff came out, and it was all kind of, you know, like happy happy coincidence, I guess you could say, you know, that it was all going on. So when they when they kind of talk about things like that, it, it just really, it, it puts a different spin on it, uh, you know, in, in a, it, you know, art Im- imitating life kind of kind of thing. Yeah, definitely. There's a cool, I mean, if you're into that kind of thing where, you know, the agency is against the head of the agency kind of thing, uh, there's, a, there's a comic series that was written, I guess it was 88 or 89, it's called Nick Fury versus S.H.I.E.L.D., uh, and it it's extremely, extremely well done. It's very uh, spy thriller, espionage, uh, a lot more adult uh, comic that you can get, you can get it in trade or hardcover or whatever, probably through Amazon. Um, but it's basically something happens and Fury is basically deemed a traitor and he's kind of out on his own. And it's it's how he kind of survives uh, on his own. And then, you know, who he can trust, who he can't trust. And it's a lot of cross double cross kind of stuff. Uh, and I think there were like four prestige issues. So they're like 48 page issues back, you know, back in the day that they put together to, to make this series. But it's really, really the art is excellent. It's really it's really well done. So if you're if you're into that kind of thing, uh, you might want to check that out. And this is this is comic Nick Fury. So this is white Nick Fury. This isn't Samuel Jackson Ultimate Nick Fury. Yes. Um, but it's really cool. LMDs, Dum Dum Dugan, all that good stuff. Uh, what'd you think about so Sky's at the cabin, and then they even call it the cabin that Banner built. <laughs> uh, yeah. And you know she's kind of nosing around when she's lost her connection to the home base and sees uh, that you know that the paneling in there is just kind of a facade. And sees the basically, I guess, where Banner punt, tried to punch through the uh, the material. And again, it looks a lot like the you know that holding cell they have on the boat or on the bus. Uh, you know that kind of that that same look to it. And we yeah, that honeycomb kind yeah. of. Uh, and it was two things. Um, it was very cabin in the woods to me. All of a sudden, absolutely, which is interesting. Yeah. you know, be, being that that was uh, a Whedon production. And um, so I'm watching it with my kids and they don't really watch Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. religiously. They were kind of like just hanging around with me while I was watching it. And I totally flipped out at the handprint of the Hulk, you know, the fist print. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, oh, my God, that's the Hulk. That's so cool. And they kind of like pat me on the back, you know, like, yeah, it's real cool, Dad. Yeah. Yeah. So, again, it kind of makes me think like people that and, and Marvel doesn't care. I'm over it. I get it. But like people that don't know the movies might not like that as much as like a real comic geek or a fan of the movies. But, you know, everybody's a fan of the movies that's watching this show. I mean, yeah, absolutely. And it was just a cool again. They're, they've gotten pretty good about the nods. Um, and so that that was that was a cool nod for me, you know, again. And it kind of I just like how Sky kind of put her fist up to it. <laughs> um, yeah. 
you know, like she she got it at that point. Like she's like, oh, OK, that's what this is. Uh, there's a little bit more to that place that she's at than she thought originally. Uh, but then uh, she gets a, she gets a visit, which I thought was interesting. I, I wasn't when they tried to do the whole spooky thing of her hearing things and walking around and you're waiting for the jump scare. And then it, it turns out Gordon just knocks on the door. Um, now, this is where the, the, the main criticism I think I have with this episode is the CG. And we'll get to, to good effects and bad effects in a, or in a minute. But but this is the bad, bad effects side. That eye thing just looked really bad. Like it looked yeah. literally like somebody took the blur tool in Photoshop and just like blurred it out. And I don't I don't know. It just it it almost looked like they should have done a prosthetic uh, or something. You know, it's funny because I'm going to take a guess and there's no way to find out whatever. I, I, I'm probably wrong. It looks like it was a prosthetic, like there's a lump over his eyes. Yeah. And it's almost like, man, that prosthetic didn't work too well. Let's blur it now. Oh, maybe you're right. Yeah. I didn't even think about that. And also, sometimes it to me, we, we talked about this two weeks ago. I didn't, I wasn't on last week, and I didn't get a chance to listen yet. So I don't know if you guys beat this to death or not. But some shots, it doesn't look like a blur. Some shots, it looks like a straight prosthetic. Yeah. And others, it's definitely a blur. You're like, wow, that's bad CGI. So I'm thinking that the prosthetic isn't going the way that they wanted it to, and they're blurring over it. That yeah, I didn't. I, that's a good point. I didn't even think of that. But but yeah, that that definitely would make sense because there's just sometimes we're just it's distracting. Um, yeah, and there are some profile shots where it's clearly not just CGI blur over the actor's eyes. There's like a lump, like it sticks yes. out. Yeah, which is just a weird look. But he kind of shows up and. You know, we get this exposition of him, you know, telling Sky, you know, who basically who she is and, you know, you know, that she she can control her power, you know, that basically she I love the way he put it because he said she's in tune with like the vibrations of matter, um, you know, that that she's not just, you know, that there's more to it than her just like making things shake um, and that if she can kind of get in tune with whatever that vibrational frequency is of things that you know, she can, she can have more fine control over it. Um, and it was after that conversation that we, we get the next bad CGI shot, but w when she was doing the thing with the water, yeah. um, I mean, it was cool in the fact that she's, again, she's, she's opening herself up to being able to control what's going on. Uh, but that was just a really bad effect. Yeah. And I'm not sure they went that far with Daisy in the comics. I think it was straight earthquake power. Yeah. But this would make sense being that, you know, Daisy isn't an inhuman, I don't believe, in the comics. Right, right. So this is sort of added inhuman stuff. Yeah, I think in the comics she's straight up mutant. So one of the other uh, things I thought was really well done was Simmons. I really like Simmons in this episode. Um, when she played off the whole, you know, when they were looking for Bobby and she played it yep. off as like, oh, Bobby, thank God you're here. Oh, we've got, you know, got to do this. But oh, hold on you know, before we take off and she's getting impatient and she puts those things in her hand yeah, uh, and knocks her out cold. I thought that was, it was just really, really well done. She played it off like very, very well. Yeah. It's good to see that, you know, she is a trained agent because usually she's lab rat. Yeah. 
and she's never really functioned in in uh you know a a uh, like a tactical situation so that was cool yeah and then did you notice she called Fitz Leo um i get i mean now that you say it i i, I know that she did but it didn't strike me i guess as strange at that point but you're right yeah that'd be a first i guess yeah right? i i mean i when it happened i was like wow she actually she didn't say fits she always says fits but she actually said leo and i was like wow so again it i think it's showing that their relationship is 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 hitting a different a different beat but again when they were kind of all surrounded and they were sitting next to each other she grabbed his hand right uh, and the and twitter exploded <laughs> do you think do you think fits it's is it, is it me or does it seem like he's recovering at a much more rapid pace than? Yeah, thank God. Yeah, yeah. I mean, definitely. I think it's a couple of weeks since he's, uh, you know, had a bad stuttering or not being able to get his words out or whatever it is exactly. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if they're gonna head back to that, putting fits in the that machine that fixed Coulson's brain or, you know, I think they kind of let it go. Yeah, yeah, it'll be interesting to see if they pick that back up. I mean, you know, now I think that would just there's no really good way to shoehorn that in. I mean, with everything going on, there's there's not a good place to kind of slow down and and deal with that subplot. Right. Um that would that would belong in the show before Winter Soldier, the first season. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Since then it's been too fast-paced and you know, yeah, or even before this with movies. Yeah, even before this real shield thing, you know, they they could have, you know, found a way. But now it's like you have the all the inhuman stuff, and you know, you've got the real shield stuff, and then uh, you know, Ward's still out there. So there's there's a lot of pieces on the board. There's a lot of moving parts that are that are going on. Um, I liked how May got Coulson out of there. Like that was that was cool. Like she shows up and she's like, she just shoves him behind that panel you know gives him you know his supplies and then you know and it sends him on his way I, I don't know i just i i really liked seeing that um i almost thought she was gonna plant a kiss on him or something <laughs> yeah it just had that feel like you know it sounds ridiculous knowing her character and everything but it just felt like i don't know for some reason i thought that was gonna happen yeah and it was funny that i just i like the way the two of them interact i mean even she comes in and ices those guys and ices gonzalez and he goes you know, he even says, you know, really nice entrance, you know, just like it, it, they just ha kind of have this shorthand with each other and it just, yeah. it just works. Um, we, uh, I, I, a couple of things we skipped, we skipped over one of them, the gloves. I mean, obviously she puts the gloves on and they, it was kind of interesting how they kind of cinched down on her hands and kind of made that little noise or whatever. Um, I think when it's all said and done, I think those gloves are going to be. I'm wondering if we're going to get an enhanced version of the gloves, like, you know, that don't dampen the powers, but, and we've talked about this before, but, you know, don't dampen it, but allow her to um, kind of focus and control. Yeah, I think, I think where it's headed is she's going to embrace wherever Gordon is bringing her at first, but... They're gonna have her like, not, obviously non dampen, and and it, and they're gonna try to have her like embrace her power. Sure. And it's gonna be like way too powerful, and like potentially do a ton of damage. And then Shield will come back with, you know, when she ends up coming back home, they'll have a modified version of the gloves or something like that. Yeah, that's that's what I'm thinking. 
The other thing we skipped over was at the beginning of the episode, the big May Mockingbird fight. Yeah, cool. I mean, uh, like, you know, the backflip through the glass and whatever was was really cool. Yeah. You know, they definitely did some quick-cutting stunt double stuff, which is fine, but that fight can never live up to what you would hope it would be. No. <laughs> you know? <laughs> not on, yeah, not on television. <laughs> right. Uh, but it, but again, it was kind of it was pretty brutal. I mean, and it was it, it was fairly well choreographed. Again, we've you know again something else we've talked about on the show in the past is just the level of you know fight choreography and stunt work and stuff like that has really kind of ratcheted up since season one. That was I think a big point of uh, comparison for us, like when we looked at things like Arrow uh, at that time. And now I think yeah. it's definitely more on par with you know with that type of show than than what it was in season one. Yeah, definitely. I mean, they pick their spots with it on Agents of Shield. Yeah, it kind of you know it kind of happens. I haven't watched Arrow in a while, but it happens like four or five times an episode on Arrow. Whereas on Agents of Shield, it's they sort of pick their spots, which works well, I think. Yeah, yeah. And Bobby's uh, little nightstick things—they're we got to see a little more use out of them. I mean, the whole laser cutter on the one end and yeah. the big magnet on the other. I, I don't know. I just thought it was really cool that they're. You know, we've seen her use those things, those batons, uh, you know, again, nice callback to the comic. That's just what she uses in the comic with her character. Um, but I like that it's kind of this multi-use uh, thing going on. Sure. Now, when you, one of the things I, I I had in my notes here was, you know, they at the beginning of the episode when they go to the flashback and Bobby says, Fury gave me orders um or or gave me a mission and then you know when mac when they're getting ready to go you know she said you know fury also gave me you know another another mission which was to scuttle the ship so do you think that was like like after he quote unquote died so like bobby knows he's alive well i guess at this point bobby may know he's he's alive just because she's well no because i guess colson didn't really expand on that to even the inner circle they don't know i know he's alive yeah, I mean, I, I kind of got the feeling, maybe reading too far into it, but my feeling is that she's so hell-bent on it because it's his last order uh, for her. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, that type of thing. Like, I don't know, I guess. I just thought it was interesting, or maybe it was like a standing order, like, hey, if, if the world goes to hell, you know, your job is to scuttle this ship. Like, yeah, you know, it could be. do not let this ship be taken by whichever, whoever is attempting to take it. Um, but again, so I don't, I don't know if that's going to, going to be a callback thing. Like, you know, further down the road, we're going to get more about the relationship that Bobby and Fury had, or, you know, if it's, if it is what it is. Did you think, um, I guess I'm skipping to the, to the add on scene at the end. Um, I don't know. I, I mean, I guess we were supposed to think it was Tahiti for like a second, right? Or I, that's what I thought. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It just seemed too uh, much like Tahiti. <laughs> yeah, the whole background thing. Now, again, I thought that scene between Hunter and Coulson was money. Like, I don't know what it was. He just played it so cool, and the two of them sitting at the bar, and him writing his name on that cocktail napkin. And just the the way that they, I don't know, it just, it, it, they just, I don't know, it just really, really worked for me. Like that whole thing was just really cool. I, I, I don't know how else to explain it, but it just. I, no, I'm with you. I mean, 
Lance Hunter has definitely been my favorite new addition to this cast. Yeah. Just everything just was right about the way that was shot. Like, it was just like, after that take, like, they should have high-fived each other because they just nailed the, just kind of that camaraderie, almost like, it kind of had like a buddy cop kind of feel to it uh, with what they were doing. But anyway, it just I just thought it was, was really well done. I mean, I watched that 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 end scene like two or three times just because it was it was really cool right nick blood is the name that i was yes yes nick blood hunting for in my head cooler he has a cooler real name than a character name which, <laughs> yeah. which is not usually the case <laughs> if the if the you know mercenary agent's name was nick blood you'd probably roll your eyes yes <laughs> <laughs> Even though Lance Hunter is probably not much less eye rolly, but <laughs> but but yeah, given that his real name is Nick Blood, it's like oh yeah, that, that's pretty cool. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's too funny. But yeah, so I mean, a lot of you know, there's been a lot of positive feedback I think about this episode. Uh, you know, specifically, I to me this was definitely an up episode uh, compared to the, to the last couple. Uh, I mean, last week I thought I I, I really enjoyed last week's. Um, but this week, I think was was a step even even above where we were last week. Yes, and before we continue on this thought, we have to talk about Sky's powers. Oh yes, jeez, because yeah. our fan base is screaming into their iPods right now as they think that we're beginning to wrap up. Yes, uh, awesome. I mean, it, great special effect and. You know, I don't know, showing that the overhead shot of like that forest with all the trees leveled and stuff. I mean, that was just great. If they had to trim the budget on Gordon's eyes and the water thing <laughs> to give us that end shot the way they did, then money well spent. Uh, because I would rather have that stuff not work and this work than the other way around. And to me, that shot worked. I mean, it was just the effect was really, really cool. I mean, it looked. It looked practical. I mean, I don't know what you thought, but to me, it didn't look. I mean, obviously, there's some CGI in there, but just the way that tree splintered and everything, and it looked almost practical. Yeah, it was it was really impressive, and Chloe Bennett really did a good job of selling it as well. Like her, the surprise on her face yeah. and the, you know, expressions and everything. It just all worked out really well. Well, that and the fact that um, that Kirk Acevedo's character, uh, Agent Calderon. Bobby made a point of saying, these are shield agents. Make sure we use icers only. And he fired a gun. I mean, there was a bullet in that gun. That was not an icer. At least that's All the way right. I took it. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's how I took it as well. But, yeah, I mean, when they did that front, like, head-on shot of her with her, you know, with her hands out and just the look and, and the slow-mo. And then they, like I said, just the way they cut it and they showed, you know, Bobby and, and Calderon you know, flying backwards and then Calderon gets that, you know, wood shard shoved in his uh, shoulder there. So he's kind of down and out. It just, and just the waves back and forth. I mean, I've been a little critical of the slow-mo thing when it comes to showing her powers that they're kind of over, you know, every time her powers get used, they go into this crazy slow-mo thing. But that was just really, really well done. I was, I was really impressed uh, with, with how that worked. Yeah, I agree. I give it a, th a definite thumbs up for there. I don't think there's anything else. Looking, let me look back at my notes. Um, oh, funny story while we're while we're on the uh, the the sky effect. So I tweeted out 
this is a case of sometimes you take things too literally and and you should kind of stop and think a little bit before you um before you respond yeah but uh, i know what you're getting at i tweeted out it's funny as i was uh uh as all this was going on i i tweeted out um i said that was a badass effect with sky's powers and i i tweeted it to agents of shield the 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 twitter uh, account for agents of shield i hashtagged agents of shield and and tag chloe bennett um and it's funny because clark gregg whose birthday is today as we record this happy birthday clark gregg if you're listening right on um he tweeted back and said what effect and i was like i guess i was just in that weird zone where i just took it literally i was like what do you mean what effect (laughs) like the effect they showed at the end so i twittered back and i'm like the effect of her using her powers and like i you know twittered back and then it got like when when Clark Gregg tweeted back, like, what effect, my phone was just blowing up because, I mean, it was just, like, retweeted, like, a billion times. And um, and so after I tweeted them back, then I started getting tweeted back. Yeah, I think he meant uh, that, that <laughs> I think he was kidding. Yeah, that, that, <laughs> that it was really Chloe Bennett and not uh, not an effect. And it, it, it was, like, one of those things where uh, I just, like, wanted to forehead slap myself because I was like, yeah, you dummy. Um, he was... <sighs> So I think I tweeted something back to to Clark Gregg. I was like, "Yeah, very clever, sir." And I was like, "Hashtag uh, didn't catch the sarcasm or or know, something like that." I was just like, "It's just one of those things that seems so obvious after the fact, uh, but at the time you're just like, you know." And I'm sure Clark Gregg is looking at it and going, "Ah, freaking fanboys! Like they just don't, you know? What's yeah? They don't get it." <laughs> um. So yeah. So that was really funny. So then I got like six, you know, tweets back, uh, back to the. Uh, at MCU underscore podcast account that was like, yeah, I think he meant that it wasn't yeah. really an effect. And I was like, yes, I get it. Yes, I tweeted back that I totally missed that. Um, so it was really kind of funny. Uh, Whatever it takes to get Clark Gregg to retweet at MCU underscore podcast, uh, I'll call it a win. Yes. So what do you what do you think? What do you give this, uh, this episode out of five? I give it a four. Yeah. You know, I uh, I thought it was really solid. I, I guess you know maybe not my favorite episode, but um, it's funny. You know, this show is moving so quickly in whatever direction. You know, we don't know uh, where it's heading with Ultron and everything coming up. But I almost like the storylines are almost done too fast. Like I'd like to hear about. You know, I'd like to have more Ward. I'd like to do. Reyna and Hydra for a while, you know, like they just seem to be moving on so quickly. Uh, And I'm sure some of those are coming back, you know, but I was in a really good zone with uh, like Reyna and and Kyle uh, McLaughlin, you know. Yeah. Uh, Those are some of my favorite characters for the new season. So and Ward definitely since he's gone totally bonkers and Agent 33 and everything like I was I was down with all that. And now we're on to the real shield storyline which isn't bad you know i just was probably a fan of the other stuff a little more well what's crazy is there's seven episodes left i mean it seems like we're into april you know usually season's kind of winding down there's only a few more left uh, but but because of the the eight week break that we got with agent carter that you know it's it's pushed this out further and I, again i don't know if some of that is intentional so they could um, you know, do some Age of Ultron stuff without feeling like they're having to rush it or or uh, spoil anything. So there, there's still quite a bit of meat left to, to the season. 
yeah. a third of it. I mean, basically, we've got, you know, we're two-thirds of the way through and got one-third left, so. And even though Agent Carter maybe didn't fire on all cylinders for us, totally awesome way to do a season in between, you know, sandwiching a mini series into a season instead of having, like, two off weeks every other, you know, week. I agree. Because it, it, it's funny, because not to go too far down the, the, the you know, DC side, but we're getting that with, like, Flash and Arrow, where we're getting these weird, like, it's back a week, and then it's off two weeks, and then, you know, it's back on, and then it's off, you know, and it's just like, you know, yes, I remember, uh, you know, feeling that same way last year with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., and I just... It, you know, again, I we talk about this to death, but, you know, like when we were kids, it was just like when there was an off week, there wasn't an off week. They just showed a rerun like, you know, right. it was just and for whatever reason, that just seems to be like taboo anymore. Like occasionally you'll get a rerun. But in general, you know, you won't go two or three weeks in a row with no episode and then just show reruns. They'll just put something else on or, um, you know, throw something else in its place. Um, but, yeah, I agree. Uh, I give this one a four as well. Not not my favorite episode, but definitely, you know, a, a upper tier episode for sure. Very good. We're running a little long. Should we do some Facebook and, and uh, such? Yeah, we'll just close out with uh, with some some feedback. We got we got quite a quite a good re- response uh, this week. I've been really good about uh, putting up episode threads and stuff like that. So so people could kind of join in. Uh, it was funny. Yeah, And a big uh, a big balloon of facebook followers which is awesome yeah we had we had a big uh a, a big uh influx of new likes to the page so we appreciate that from everybody spread the word yeah so it looks like it, it's funny we got uh while the episode was going on victor uh kind of added his little comment that uh you know since hartley was in the episode he said trying to act like he spoiled it he said i can't believe hartley was modok the whole time uh, and then somebody chimed back and said, don't you mean Modam? So I thought that was kind of funny. <laughs> um, Robert uh, Robert Frost commented and said, nice subterfuge Simmons, which, yeah, we definitely talked about that earlier. Um, um, it doesn't feel right to mention, uh, Ryan uh, commented and said, it doesn't feel right to mention anything other than the sky's unworldly blast of inhuman power at the end, so I'm not. Fantastic episode. Definitely. Yeah, that was cool. I'm sure that won a lot of people over for the... Uh... For the episode, yeah, uh, yeah, ended on a high note. Um, Lindsay mentioned Rafe and Lauren didn't let me down. Uh, so I guess they were the writers uh, of this episode. They also wrote tracks in the hub, so she kind of uh, put that back in there, which were um, pretty good to Simmons. Said yes, the uh, blast was most definitely Avengers worthy. Anybody else feeling a bit wary on the Inhumans, though? I've literally seen no conversation about that. Um, I'm. <sighs> I'm not too weary that, I mean, they're, I'm surprised that they're, and we've said this before too, but I'm surprised they're giving us as much information on Inhumans as they have, uh, you know, with a movie coming down the road and maybe that's, you know, why is to kind of not be bogged down when they do an Inhumans movie too much in the backstory if it's been pretty well, you know, promulgated at that point. Yeah. Yeah. We got our Inhumans origin on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. three years ago. So yeah. We're just gonna, yeah. We're just gonna roll with it now. Yeah. Make it a household name before the movie comes out. And you don't have to worry about an origin. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, uh, we're gonna link. Uh, definitely check out moderngaffa.com where they've got a, a review of the episode. One door closes up on their site. So if you want to get a little bit 
of a different different take than what we've given you. So definitely, definitely head over there. Um, Dallas says, I thought the episode was one of the better episodes of season two. I really enjoyed the flashbacks to the tie into Captain America two. Uh, these flashbacks really made me want to have Hartley back as a regular. However, this episode has just made me more excited for the next episodes. Like what will happen between Fitz and Simmons? Will Simmons agree and work with agent Weaver or will she fight for her team? Uh, will Fitz, Fitz trust Max since he saved him? What will happen to Sky after her interaction with the Inhumans? Will she go back to S.H.I.E.L.D. to stay where she will feel more welcomed? How will Coulson and Hunter pull everyone out? I must add that one of my favorite parts of the episode, besides Sky using her power, was a little bit of banter between Coulson and Hunter at the end. Yeah, I definitely think we uh, we agree with you there. I don't know. if I, Do you love Hartley? I, you know, it's funny. I did after this episode. I, I honestly, I kind of could take her or leave her after the first one. I mean, she kind of served her purpose, but she was kind of in and out so quickly. Um, but I guess the other thing is, and I, I think we brought this up at the time, can you have three really alpha females on the, on the show? Like three aggressive, um, you know, ass kicking women and do, and do them justice. You know, um, you know, right now May is kind of splitting that with, with Mockingbird, with Bobby, um, and it, you know, usually, you know, even, even when, when they go with a heavy on the male side, usually there's one heavy, like, you know, in this, in this case, when the chauffeur started, it was Ward, you know, that was the, the male heavy. And then, and then May was the female heavy. Uh, so I think I, if the only way to bring Hartley back is the short shrift, um, Ming-Na's character and Palicki's character, then I think she's better off just kind of fading away. Yeah, I, I think part of my problem is that I don't buy Lucy Lawless anymore as the heavy. <laughs> and, and and that, you know, I, there's no way to say this without sounding like a jerk, but it's kind of like when your favorite ball player is like 38, 39 at the end of his career. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, like he just can't do what he used to do, and it's tough to, you know, Battlestar Galactica Lucy Lawless is badass. <laughs> And Xena Lucy Lawless is even more badassier. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, and this is just a different Lucy Lawless, which is fine. But they're not giving her like a director administration role. She's still in the field, right? Right. So it's kind of tough for me. I'm not buying it as much, I guess. But I mean, she's fine. She. She's giving it her all in the role. She's not mailing it in or anything, which would have been easy for her to do as well. No, but. absolutely. Yeah, you're you're right there. Um, the Simmons Agent Weaver thing was interesting. I I think at this point Simmons is going to stick with Coulson and and her core team. I think after what happened to Trip and how dedicated Trip was to that team, and I think she's feeling a little bit. Not betrayed by Weaver, but I think she's maybe feeling it a little off-put that Weaver questioned her loyalty, questioned Simmons' loyalty to Weaver when she said, made a point of saying Gonzalez came back and got us all out. And if it wasn't for him, you know, there'd be more d dead people and basically kind of made Gemma feel like, um, like they didn't do enough. Uh, so I think, I think that's going to maybe leave a bit of a sour taste in her mouth. And apparently it's J-E-M-M-A, not G-E-M-M-A. Really? 
I think I've been watching a little too much Sons of Anarchy, and I just sure <laughs> too tied up with with uh, Gemma Teller. <laughs> so it's funny, yeah. I, I noticed people people kept tweeting out Gemma with the J, and I was like, why are these people doing it wrong? So then I went to IMDb and went, oh, I'm the one that's doing it wrong. <laughs> um, as far as how Coulson and Hunter are going to pull everyone out, I don't know. I mean, I think that's you know that that's going to be the big thing and. You know, Coulson always has a way of, uh, you know, being Coulson. So we'll just have to wait and see what he's got pulled, what he's got up his sleeve. David Moore said, "Oh my God, this episode was amazing." The first thing I wanted to say: the sky is the Avatar. She's already earth bended with her earthquakes. We've seen her water bending, and I'm gonna call her stunt at the be- at the end air bending. So I'm waiting for her to be able to control fire, and then we might as well call her Korra or Aang. <laughs> that that was kind of, that's awesome. That's kind yeah, of funny. that's funny. I didn't think of that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he said, all right, with that, with that out of the way, I think this was a total payoff for what I really thought of last episode as one long buildup. Besides with the flashback, seeing Xena kick Major Hydra butt and Mac making some big moves, um, all those gun handling seemed a bit clumsy for me, uh, uh, taking me out of it a little. It's funny because I thought maybe I was the only one that, that thought that. I don't know, John, did that stick out to you at all? Like the way Mac, when he was st- kind of standing there with the machine gun, he looked very, um, he didn't look very comfortable in that. It looked, it looked... I don't know. Just didn't look natural. Yeah. It. it well, it wasn't. Um, I don't think it was like the tactical stance with the gun up at your like eye level. I think he was holding it like real low, yeah. and it was more like an amateurish, like the rifleman. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He said, "I think the flashback completely made me sympathetic to the real shield. I especially love Admiral Adama's command. He really seemed like a true leader." I do kind of get a lost vibe, though, from the whole team with this real shield being the tail section. <laughs> That's pretty funny. <laughs> uh, I kind of expect an episode now that is just about their journey from those other flashbacks to now like they did on Lost with the missing 48 days for the tail section. Uh, yeah, I don't think I, I think we're I think the flashbacks are done. Like, I think at this point we know, like, you know, where everybody's at. Yeah, uh, I agree. But we'll see. Uh, the two people in the real shield that he didn't care are Calderon, since he seems like the stereotypical mad guy, and Weaver, mostly because I can't separate the actress from her Doctor Who appearance. Uh, she's in one of my favorite episodes that Simon Pegg was also in, uh, but that's really just my problem. Uh, he said, one bad thing I'll say is that uh, they had way too many convenient things uh, written in, like, May Happening to be hiding behind the great where Gonzalez and them stopped to talk about Sky. Um, I-, I just, I took that almost as, like, May using the facility stalking them. yes yeah. yeah yeah i didn't take that as coincidental. at all i thought that was purposeful um another bad thing is that it looks like they saved all their special effects budget for the last scene because uh, i was distracted by the blur they did for gordon's eyes yeah we, uh, we yeah. definitely talked about that um he said the tahiti scene at the end looked totally uh fake i, I almost think that was a little tongue-in-cheek again you know like we mentioned earlier like they were literally trying to make people feel like that callback to the Tahiti, you know, blue screen that we saw before. Uh, uh, Victor s- said, am I the only one who gets a Twitter username argument vibe out of this? I am the real shield business. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's a little, like I said before, it's a little tongue in cheek, uh, but that's right. Uh, Daryl Taylor, a podcasting brother in arms, Daryl Taylor. Uh, said, for whatever reason, I still don't feel anything for the Sky character, and I'm like that way for Simmons. Up until this season, I did not care for Fitz either, but after he got hurt and seeing him come out of that made me care about him now. Uh, so, yeah, so it's funny because um, 
Ken asked last week when we were reading something for Daryl, if he kind of posed that question to Daryl, you know, about Sky. So that's his his response. And our la- last week's guest, Ms. Terry Scott, you you missed our guest. Uh, I know. I apologize. That's all right. Hopefully, yeah, hopefully she'll make it back on soon. I I, I really enjoyed having uh, having a, having a different uh, voice on the podcast. Yes, a real live girl. Yes. Uh, really thought this episode was great. I still can't quite figure out Bobby, or I still can't quite figure Bobby out. But the action scenes were awesome. Enjoyed the flashbacks. May still kicks ass. Love the breaking the larynx, larynx comment. Um, Sky is finally coming into her powers, and Coulson still rocks my world. Happy birthday to Clark Gregg. Uh, one of my favorite episodes so far. Cool. Um, and then Dallas uh, also posted something from the Marvel Wikia. Uh, on the shield helicarrier. So it's just like the general helicarrier, uh, wiki. That's where I was co- uh, quoting from earlier when I mentioned, uh, the Iliad being Daisy Johnson and Maria Hills, quote unquote, their helicarrier. Sounds like, you know, pretty much universally liked, which is good. Yeah. One of the things uh, we got a Twitter reply of last week from, from Phil, the guy. And, um, one of the things he asked was, do we want to see redemption for ward? Um, if so, do you think it will come this season? I don't think they can, re- and we've talked about this before, but it's not even so much of whether I want to see redemption or not see redemption. I just don't think it's possible. Like, I think, you know, and we we beat this topic to death a little bit, but if they redeem Ward fully and bring him back into the fold, I'm going to have a real problem with this show. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I agree. And I, I, I don't know, again, I, I feel like they're just kind of moving past this stuff. Yeah. I mean, it's not that I don't think that we, you know, I'm, I'm sure we'll see Ward again, but... It's not really the focus anymore. Right. Right. Yeah, I mean, I see, like we said before, the only way reward redeems himself is with sacrifice. And at that point, it's moot because he, he'll be gone. <laughs> right. All right. Well, that was a little bit uh, longer than I thought for this week. Yeah. Well, I'm, you know, I'm glad we're, we're getting a lot of participation. And so makes for some good comments and stuff. And unfortunately, no new iTunes reviews this week. Which is a bit of a bummer. Yes. You know, the again, the iTunes reviews help us out a lot. I'm not going to beat it to death, but uh, we'd like to read your reviews. And uh, we'd like to have you in the hat for next time we get around to doing some prizes. So uh, you got to leave it a review to be in the hopper. Exactly. And same thing with the comments. You know, participate in the show either through email or Facebook comments or whatever. Because you never know when we may just decide to throw up a contest and throw out a digital code or um, or or throw something out there uh, that we've kind of got in our collective prize closets uh, back back at home. Anything else, John? Or should we close her out? No, I think uh, I think we did enough damage for tonight. Cool. All right, everybody. Well, thanks uh, for listening to It's All Connected. We really appreciate that. Uh, be sure to check out our Patreon campaign, Patreon.com/slash It's All Connected. Uh, like we talked about before. Um, we're really trying to, to get that campaign moving and rolling, and um, we're looking to quarterly make a charitable donation um, you know, based on our contributions. So uh, the more people that, that sign up and help out the show to allow us to do better things, uh, we will in turn use that to do better things ourselves. Uh, so again, patreon.com slash it's all connected. Uh, check out hhwlod.com. Uh, check out the article link there. We'll have all the information for the Facebook page, the Twitter, the phone number, 
uh, the email, all the ways you can get in, in contact with us, all the RSS feed links uh, to subscribe to the podcast if you want to recommend the show to somebody else. Uh, we definitely appreciate that. And then you can check out all the other cool stuff that we have going on on the network. There's a lot of other podcasts that we do. Um, if you're into something geeky or movies or whatever, uh, definitely check out hhwlod.com for all of the different podcasts that we have floating around the network. Definitely. All right, so until next week, uh, this is John and Russ, and you've been listening to It's All Connected. Take care.